would be your fighter pilot call sign? Sparkles. And then what would your helmet look like? Um, it would be glittery. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe have like swirls or hearts on it. Oh, that would be nice. What colors? Like multicolor. <laughs> I don't know what mine would be. Maybe I'd be noodles or pumpkin. Pumpkin. And then the whole helmet is just painted like a pumpkin. Yeah, that would be great. That would be pretty good, actually. It's like the little like thing on top and yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's safe to have a stem coming out of it. No, I mean like painted on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then, then that's okay. <laughs> Maybe it could be painted like a jack-o'-lantern to make it at least a little like... Fun. Or I was going to say, like, not just cute and, hey, guys, I'm pumpkin. <laughs> I'm pumpkin. <laughs> um, yeah, you could do, like, a scary thing on the back. So then you look like the pumpkin man. <laughs> the pumpkin man. <laughs> the pumpkin man. The headless horseman, perhaps? Yes, that's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> no, God. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. I'll be taking you into the danger zone tonight, <laughs> and my name is Indy Randawa, and with me is the woman who never fails to take my breath away. Aww. It's Samantha Randawa. Hi, everyone. And we are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. So today, we have a real treat for you. We are going to be talking all about the movie Top Gun, the original from 1986. And how our podcast works is we take turns picking movies for the other to watch, but we had a bit of a different setup last time. Every so often I do a movie that I feel like I should have seen. So this is actually Samantha's pick, which is a bit different from what you usually pick. Yeah, but this felt like a piece of pop culture that I needed to be in on. Yeah. When you were talking about going into things that you hadn't seen, I assumed you were going to do... Dirty Dancing or Footloose. Oh. Because you love dance movies, but you right. haven't seen what I consider like the iconic dance movies. Mm. Yeah. Maybe no, next time. I just felt like that it was time. It was time. And I know that you used to really like this movie when you were five, so. Yeah, and I'm glad to revisit it as well. So we are going to talk all about Top Gun, and this is going to be a spoiler-filled episode, but you know what? It's like 30 years old. Uh, yeah. You should have seen it by now. <laughs> I haven't seen it since 1986. Um, start a podcast and talk about it. <laughs> well, maybe also we did watch Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Maybe we'll talk about that very briefly at the end, mm-hmm. but we'll warn you when we start on that in case you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, the 36-year-later sequel. Yes. (laughs) But before we get into everything, let's thank our first sponsor of the episode, which is StoryHive, calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. In case you haven't heard of StoryHive, they've been supporting storytellers in Western Canada since 2013. This year, they're celebrating their 10th anniversary with their biggest edition yet. The StoryHive Anniversary Documentary Edition is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story that you are passionate about. You could get $20,000 in production funding, training and mentorship, and distribution on Telesoptic and Stream+. If you live in BC or Alberta and you have an idea for a short documentary, now is the time to send in your pitch. So you can send in your application by February 28th at storyhive.com slash apply. Your story, your narrative. Hmm. All right, Sparkles, let's start off with you. This was your first time watching Top Gun. What did you think? I kind of loved it. You kind of loved it. It was like super fun. 
Tell us more about that. Um, I did start out thinking that Top Gun was like a person and not a place. Okay. That's like, like something that I... Like Tom, Tom Cruise is the Top Gun? The Top Gun, He's yeah. Top Gun. Yeah, then that's like his nickname. Because I know there's like oh, lots yeah. of nicknames in the army. So I didn't really know much about this movie before we watched it, other than the things that you kind of just see being a person in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew the names like Maverick and Goose, but I thought Top Gun was a person. <laughs> so oh, Yeah, because that would make sense that one guy's Maverick, yeah. one guy's Top Gun, one guy's Goose. That's kind of what I thought. My favorite character is Top Gun. Yeah, yeah I could see that. <laughs> um, so that was kind of a surprise when it was, I found out it was a place instead of a person. So that uh, was interesting. But I... I liked it. It was it was fun to watch. It was um like fast paced. It was very uh like romantic at times and um it yeah, I don't know. I I enjoyed watching it greatly. Oh, good. Yeah. So, it's been how long since you've seen this movie? So, I know I definitely watched it many times between the ages of like Four and 12. I think I have seen it once since then because I thought I remembered watching it again and not liking it. Oh. I thought that happened, but I'm not sure. But this time, I may have bounced back. Oh, you're back into liking it. I I talked about Scarface once about how I was 16 and I watched it and I was like, whoa, this movie is so cool. It's so over the top and there's crazy violence and everything. And then I watched it when I was like, 21 and I became like more knowledgeable about film and stuff and then I was like this movie's over the top it's ridiculous it doesn't make any sense and then I watched it later when I was just I think smarter and I was like Mm -hmm. oh they did that very intentionally and there's a lot of thought behind all of the excess to it Mm -hmm. I may have come to that point on Top Gun or I may be making up a bunch of stuff in my mind (laughs) I'm not sure this movie though it's tricky because Its highs are very high. There's so Mm. many things it does brilliantly. And there's so many things it does really badly. (laughs) It is uh, not good in a lot of ways. Right. But it is, I would say, absolutely enjoyable. And I, I don't think those two it. things are always have to go together, being good and being enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many things that it does well that it makes up for the parts that are like, honestly, kind of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it then? Yeah, I'm going to end up like, a, a, if it's just thumbs up or thumbs down, okay. it gets a thumbs up. Nice. But that has a lot of caveats to it. Of course, it always does. <laughs> it That's always why does we have a me. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So should we go through the film chronologically today? Sure, let's do that. Maybe let's start off with just like a little bit of setup, though. Okay. Kind of about uh, Tom Cruise, because I was thinking a lot about Tom Cruise this Mm -hmm. week, because we watched the two Top Gun movies. Who wasn't? Yeah, true. (laughs) Who can you think of that was like somebody that you can bank on to open a movie from like 83 till now. My entire life, yeah. Tom Cruise has been a bankable A-list superstar. Yeah. Really. And I don't think there's anyone else. No. That's like a, that's a long time to be booking roles and like selling out movie theaters. And then even if you talk about like the big stars of today who are like your your Chris's. Mm-hmm. If they just had their own action movie that wasn't already something that we know, right? I don't think it's opening number one. No, I don't think so. 
Tom Cruise, though, if he opens a movie that you've never heard of, but it's Tom Cruise, it's going to do very well. He is still, he's still a draw. Yeah. And I also think that Tom Cruise is multi-generational attractive. Definitely. Like, I, what I mean by that is like, yes, he's aged very well. But I also mean like many generations of women love him. Or, like, think he's very attractive. Oh, like, attractive in that sense. Sure, sure, definitely. Yeah. But I think just generations of people, because I'm in my late 30s, and I've known him my entire life. People Mm -hmm. older than me definitely still like Tom Cruise. And based on the numbers of things that open, like Top Gun Maverick, which I'm sure is, like, 80% people that are older than me (laughs) who, um, who saw Top Gun when it was out the first time Mm -hmm. it's a lot of people just seeing it for nostalgia's sake for sure but there is definitely a younger generation who is into tom cruise yeah and i like of course there's all the uh, outside of his acting life stuff where he's seems like kind of a crazy person Mm -hmm. at times no he's in a straight up cult yeah yeah but there's one thing I think it's hard to detract from is that he knows how to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Not even that he is the best actor. I think he probably gets underestimated in his acting abilities because I think he's just a movie star and right. people forget that he's actually like a really talented actor too. Yeah, because you like throw Tom Cruise in and your movie's going to sell. Yeah. So he doesn't even need to be good at this point. He just needs to be Tom Cruise. Very true. And I think that is the case with a lot of your big blockbuster guys. But I do think, and looking back on this is making me realize, I think Tom Cruise is also a solid actor. Mm -hmm. And more than that, I think he's like a really smart filmmaker. Like, Mm -hmm. I know he's not the director, but he is a big force. In any movie that he's in, he's getting a lot of input. Mm -hmm. And that's starting way back in 86 with Top Gun. We'll talk about it a bit, but he is one of the main reasons the movie looks the way it does. Oh, really? Like, there's the two writers who are credited who kind of from the stories I hear have the least to do with what the story was. Oh. It's mostly your two producers. It's... um Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer? Yeah, and they did a lot together. So Bruckheimer's career went on, um, I believe, longer than Simpson's. But Simpson was kind of your um, big picture guy. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Jets, Tom Cruise. And you think like, yeah, anyone could think of that. But not anyone could. He was a guy who like really brought a lot of big ideas to the screen and then Bruckheimer is like one of the biggest yeah. Hollywood producers of all he time he created CSI yeah and that's like low down <laughs> yeah. on the list but uh Cruz did a bunch of rewrites for this as well himself yeah oh wow and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that but I was saying in the last episode that I think this was kind of peak Tom Cruise that he wasn't just like some young nobody and that's definitely not the case because in 83, he did All the Right Moves and Risky Business, which were two very big movies. Is that the one where he wears sunglasses and a shirt and no pants? Oh, and he does the slide. Yeah, yeah that, okay. that's in... Um, I haven't seen it, but I, that's what I know. <laughs> and a lot of Tom Cruise movies, I think we think we know what they are. And then you go back and watch it and you're like, oh, there was a lot more to that. Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, Cocktail. Yeah, he's a fun bartender. It's like, no, that is a sad, dark movie. Oh, But Top Gun was, of course, the thing that made him maybe the superstar. He was already already established. But after Top Gun, he does The Color of Money, Cocktail, Rain Man, uh, Born on the Fourth of July, Days of Thunder. And that brings us right up until 90. And then in the 90s, he does Interview with a Vampire, The Firm. His first Mission Impossible was way back in 96, which seems crazy. 
That's so long ago. Jerry Maguire. Those are all like big, well-received movies for the most part. But then he also gets like really interesting and does things like Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia, Vanilla Sky, Minority Report. And that brings us right into the 2000s where he's doing Collateral, more Mission Impossibles, <laughs> War of the Worlds, Valkyrie. He's hasn't had a decade where he doesn't have at least like four blockbuster mm-hmm. movies. I'll probably never pick a Tom Cruise movie to right. do on this podcast. I'm actually not a huge fan. But when you go back and look at a career and the input he had specifically to turn those movies into uh-huh. the successes they were, someone like me who's... Definitely not a fan of him in, like, the real world. Mm -hmm. A mediocre fan of him on film, but I am very impressed with all the work he's done. Yeah, I'd agree. He um, definitely has an impressive resume and work ethic. Because it can't be easy to film all these films. And the way he films them, too. He's like, yeah, I want to be jumping off that building. I want to jump off the cliff. I want to be in a spaceship. I I want to really be in the jet. Yeah. He has to do it all himself. So, like, I can't imagine that that's easy on someone. And with the second Top Gun, I was actually really surprised that he did as many crazy things as he did. Yeah. Because, like, he's 60 now. And I feel like 60-year-olds aren't built the same as, like, 24-year-olds. Except for this one. Except for this one. And then going into the movie itself, this is essentially propaganda, mm-hmm. right? This is a propaganda it's pro-military. film. pro-military. But, like, we say that, and but it, literally, it is funded by the military. Mm-hmm. And more movies than you think are funded by the military. Wow. That happens pretty often from things that I like, like, Iron Man was has military funding in it. Oh. Both of the first two, because Marvel Studios wasn't like as established. Marvel then. Studios, yeah. So with their first one, your first big one was Iron Man, and they got a lot of military funding for that. Interesting. But this comes out in 86, so the 70s are over, and we're kind of trying to feel good about ourselves again because mm-hmm. you know how I always talk about those 70s movies where it's all still in the wake of Vietnam and all of the war movies or the majority of the war movies are telling you like war is hell this is the mm-hmm. worst we shouldn't be doing this now the 80s are coming on and we're in like Reagan America right 86 it's Reagan at that point I don't, don't know. actually we're know not my Americans very well, but yeah. We're not Americans, but I'm going to say, yeah, it was probably Reagan. Because this is pre-Bush, just before Bush. Whatever. <laughs> but it's the 80s. We know what the 80s are, are about. They're about Wall Street. They're about cocaine. Mm-hmm. They're about excess. Yeah. So when that kind of blends in with these uh, war movies, we get Top Gun. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's like not a war movie. Yeah, I think it's very smart propaganda on the part of the military because I feel like this is the kind of movie that little boys would see and be like, that's what I want to do as a job. Oh, that's exactly yeah. what it is. And I think that, that a generation of like military people was born just out of this. Oh, I have the stats behind that. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent. That was uh, very calculated. And before anyone writes in, I don't know, to pe- people don't write in, I know Platoon came out in 86 as well, <laughs> and that is a war as hell type of movie. But that was the minority of the 80s. This is more like Rocky Four, Rambo Two. This is pro-American. We're going to go and get those goddamn commies and foreigners type movies so when you were talking about like oh a a generation of people the year after this came out navy recruitment went up 500 percent oh wow 
Also, uh, the sale of leather jackets and aviator glasses took off like crazy. That's too. funny. Uh, so much so for the recruitment, the Navy actually put up recruitment booths outside of the theater. So you could go watch Top Gun, come out, sign up for the Navy. Once you're all on your like fighter jet high. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's, That's like, actually hilarious. Hilarious and also like super fucked up. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like they uh, had some good marketing people back then. Yeah, this this movie was the marketing, mm-hmm. and I get it. Yeah. Uh, one person died in the filming of this movie. Oh. One stunt pilot because they went into a flat spin. And it's not just a bit in the movie. That is very dangerous, and it is hard to recover from. And unfortunately, he did not and went down, and his plane and body were never recovered. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. And what do you think? Do we want to get into any thematic discussion beforehand or do you want to hit us with the summary and we'll kind of go through the movie and then I can figure out for myself <laughs> whether this is a brilliant movie or just like a real piece of garbage. <laughs> let's uh, let's go through the, the plot of the movie. Sounds good. Okay. So the movie opens um, with a, is it like a montage of the army basically? Yeah. Yeah. And before some other people write in, it's the Navy. Oh, sorry. The Navy. (laughs) (laughs) So that opening shot cost uh, $25,000. They were on an aircraft carrier and uh, Tony Scott, the second best filmmaker in his family. (laughs) Poor Tony Scott. He is great. He does lots of good work. But his brother is Ridley Scott. Ah. So I'm going to go. I I put Ridley Scott ahead of him. I got to, right? Because it's fucking Ridley Scott. But uh, Tony Scott wants the sun setting behind all of the people working on the planes. But the sun's on the wrong side. So he talks to, I don't know who runs an aircraft carrier, an an admiral, a captain? Yeah. Whoever's in charge. Captain, I think. And says like, oh, can we turn this around? And they're like, no, it's an aircraft carrier. That'll cost like $25,000. And he goes, all right. And the story is he wrote a check right there. What? (laughs) And uh, so they turned it around and they got all those sunset shots. And they go on for maybe too long. But I bet Tony Scott was like, I paid twenty five grand for that. We're we're using them all. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really long opening sequence. Mm -hmm. And I was like, did I just forget what movies used to? to be like or i think a little bit of both yeah i think it is very long but also it was more common Mm. we really let those credits linger and then a lot of old movies i make you watch the criticism often is like why were the credits five minutes long at the beginning (laughs) that's what the end is for when i can leave now we live in the generation of being able to skip frame by frame through like netflix yeah, skip intro, please. Yeah. But it starts off with the Top Gun anthem, which yeah. I love. I got to say. We've been playing the Top Gun soundtrack at our house since we started watching these movies. Oh, my five-year-old self is like right into it. There was much <laughs> dancing in our house. Because <laughs> this came out um, when I was just a wee baby, but... By the time I was five, we had it on VHS. And this movie changed home video forever. Because movies to buy used to be like $100 to buy a VHS. This was the one because it was in such demand and something changed. I'm not exactly sure how it all happened. But they were able to sell this for like $30. And that changed everything. So people were buying it. And for a lot of people, because it was so much cheaper than everything else, this was the one VHS you could own. 
So you could rent stuff, of course, but mm-hmm. if you wanted to own something, Top Gun was the first movie a lot of people owned, and that was the case for me. And that's why this was my favorite movie <laughs> until, um, well, probably Ninja Turtles. That's yeah. really interesting. I guess I didn't really realize that things used to be really expensive. So we uh, get through that first credits scene, and we meet Maverick and Goose. And uh, they're stationed in the Indian Ocean, and they intercept some hostile planes. And uh, is this a dogfight then? I think they don't actually shoot, so maybe it's no. not. But there's a lot of maneuvering. Yeah, sure. Let's, um, and we should probably say, I don't know if any military people are ever going to listen to this, but we don't know anything no. about any of the technical stuff, and we're going to get it wrong. And you know what? Don't trust us for stuff like that. I've That's never, not what we're for. I've never been to an air show. I don't know anything about planes um, because this looked really cool. There was a lot of neat maneuvers. I got to say, that's the strongest part of this entire movie, is all of the aerial photography. It looked great. We're not going to talk about the new Top Gun, but I think this one looked better in that respect. I know um, everything's going to be cleaner with new stuff, and there's not much CG in either of these, probably none in this one. Mm -hmm. But this had some really good sustained shots from... From the sky to other planes, because I think they're shooting out of like a Learjet or something like that. Uh-huh. And the length of some of those shots was was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like you could get a real scope of things. You could see that movement. It's not just edit, edit, edit. Right. It wasn't editing around things they couldn't do. It was editing to show you what they can do. Mm-hmm. And it's a... Like a small distinction maybe to a lot of people, but I thought the editing in this movie was fantastic Mm -hmm. and it really sold things for me. So I don't know about editing, but I definitely felt like being able to see the planes on more of like a sustained shot. Is that like a like a long shot? Yeah. Um, I felt like I understood the planes better and thus understood the movie better because I, I could understand kind of the things that they could do yeah. and you could see the way the planes move. So I was able when you had just like in the cockpit shots or shots from the ground, I kind of had a better idea and could like connect those dots in my brain. I loved all the shots that were done from another plane and you can see the fighter jets like banking and rolling mm-hmm. that looked amazing to me and i get why that made everyone say like yeah i want to do that and then they sign up for the army and you're just kind of like i don't know pushing a mop around you're like but i want to be up there like tom cruise <laughs> only a select few only a select few so we get back to the airbase and cougar who is maverick's wingman um freaks out and quits i like that the initial danger of this movie is nerves and not like nazis or aliens or yeah something. yeah it's never really discussed about the bad guys right like it's not really it's just like the the navy doing their thing yeah it's always the enemy yeah and they're just in black planes and i think it's supposed to be russia yeah. but they never say that and they all the bad guys have like mirrored helmets so you can't even see that there's like a person under it mm-hmm. it's just a faceless enemy This movie plays like a sports movie much more than it does a war movie because it is mostly like internal competition Mm -hmm. and it's not about the war or any war. Yeah. Yeah. And they just happen to like 
encounter some enemy people. It's not like they're going out to find them and fight them. Yeah, and the only actual violence comes at the very end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So Maverick and Goose are sent in Cougar's place to attend Top Gun, the Naval Fighter Weapons School. And uh, before the first day of instruction, Maverick uh, meets a lady. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What did you think of this scene where he enlists Goose, his wingman Wingman in this? (laughs) Did the term wingman for picking people up at a bar, does it come from this? It might. I never thought about that. But yeah, I don't know how else that would come out because i know it comes from planes of course but what would have put that into popular culture Mm -hmm. and linked it up with like picking up a girl more than this and this movie was so so big i think that's where it must come from oh the origin of wingman possible origin of wingman um i thought it was fun i thought the fact that they had like a routine that they'd clearly done before. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was super fun. And it added a bit of levity to something that's like kind of a darker subject matter. The Navy and like being a fighter pilot and that kind of thing. I think this is like kind of a fun way to show that they, it's like work hard, play hard. Interesting. I uh, I thought it would be terrifying and is like a total dick move, but that's just me. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I don't really if, ever want anybody to so do that to me. So imagine you go to a bar yeah. and someone just starts singing at you and then a group, 30 men all start singing and they just surround you. Yeah, that would be kind of scary. And then he follows you to the bathroom. Oh, that's... That's scary and like too far. But um, I thought it was a fun inclusion in the movie. But he is like, he's a dick, right? He's an asshole. Oh, yeah. He's a total Maverick asshole. Maverick is. Yeah. He's, a, he's one of those guys who like is too aware of how good he is mm-hmm. and like has no ability to feel shame or nervousness. I'm, I'm formulating something right now that we'll swing back to at the end. That might help me like this character more. Because overall, I don't think he's a likable character. Or is he? That's me saying that. I I liked him. Okay. Yeah. Do you find him, like, charming? Yeah. It's like a cockiness, but there's a charm to it? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't, but I, I think he's an asshole. <laughs> no, Goose, on the other hand. Can we just stop and talk about Goose a little bit? Goose is great. Anthony Edwards as Goose. You can't say he steals the show because Tom Cruise apparently is is super charming to the majority of people. Mm -hmm. I don't think he is in this, but I still think he's good in this. Anthony Edwards, however, is great. Every second he's on screen, I want to hear what he's saying. Yeah. I thought he was very charming, not in the Tom Cruise cocky way, but like I want that guy to be my best friend. Yeah, he definitely seemed like someone you'd want to spend time with. And I know a lot of people, apparently yourself included, are more enamored with Tom Cruise, but you know who you should marry. You don't marry the, oh, the no, Mavericks. No, you don't you marry, marry the, the Mavericks. Goose. You marry the Goose. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and he, he is, which we'll get to um, Meg Ryan when that part comes up. The next day at school, or at... Top Gun school. Tom Cruise Maverick learns that the woman he was hitting on is a Top Gun instructor, Charlie. 
And she is based on a real person who really uh, like achieved a very high levels of security clearance and was a uh, very influential. Oh, that's exciting mm-hmm. that this is like a real woman who existed in the military. Loosely based, of course. But yeah, she yeah. had the job and everything. Oh, that's amazing. And she is really impressed with Maverick because he's bragging about being inverted on top of a MiG plane. And we also had the introduction of Iceman, played yes. by Val Kilmer at this point or somewhere in here. I liked Iceman. I love Iceman. <laughs> so this is uh, very conflicting for me because from the ages of uh, five to ten, mm-hmm. Maverick was the shit. And you go, right. fuck Iceman, that, that asshole. Yeah. Iceman's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because he's like... He's 100% right. The best flyer and he's smart about it. Yeah. Like he knows what's dangerous and what's not and where, like how far to push things. And his big antagonistic speech that he says to like really get under Tom Cruise is, you're unsafe. Yeah. I don't like you because you're dangerous. Yeah. Which is 100% true. And everyone else is like, oh, you're dangerous. Yeah. Like, yeah. Iceman is the hero of this movie, I gotta say. <laughs> Iceman is the most professional in this movie, for sure. He's the best. Well, yeah. he, he's the top gun. He is the top gun. He becomes top gun. Yeah. I wonder how good Cougar was. Because Maverick wasn't even the best at his base. No, because Cougar, before he quit, was supposed to go to top gun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he must have been the best best. He must have been good. Yeah. He just gotta... What's it called when you can't do it? Like when you can't perform at your job? There's all sorts of things. Oh. Are you thinking the yips? Yips, yeah. No, the yips is is different. Okay. He had like a nervous breakdown. This is a little more than the yips. Okay. So Maverick is breaking all the rules and gotten in trouble. And for some reason, he never gets like disciplined. They talk about like, oh, you've been disciplined all these times. But nothing really sticks. No. Because he just keeps doing it anyway. Yeah. he, He just does what he wants. When it's very uncalled for, too. I I can't remember where it was, but it was around here where my favorite line of the movie comes in. We should talk about just lines real quick. Do you have any favorite lines? Because there's so many. This is a quotable movie. You go first. Well, mine is, I want some butts. (laughs) (laughs) That guy just shouts, I want some butts. I want some butts. (laughs) Um, I like do some pilot shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That is really good, too. And they like, they bring that line back in the second one. Yeah. Which is fun. They don't bring back I Want Some Butts, though, which is a shame. No, that that should have been top of the list to bring back. (laughs) Do you have any other ones that you like? Well, everyone's going to say, you know, I feel the need, the need for speed. The need for speed. That's always up there. Oh, that's a classic one. And I think I knew that one before even seeing the movie. Um, I like when Maverick responds, I am dangerous. Yeah. Like he knows. That's not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. It is not a good thing in this position to be dangerous. No. Yeah, your job's already dangerous. You should be doing it as safely as possible. So do you think this movie, though, is saying like, no, that's a good thing. He flies on the edge and that's why we love him. The movie's trying to posit that, right? Yeah. And then you, as someone who has like, found Maverick likable, are you like, yeah, he is dangerous and that's why we love him? Yeah, I mean, I did find his cockiness a little annoying at this point because being extra dangerous just because you can isn't like, it's not a trait that people like look for in people. 
Yeah. So I did find that. People love the bad boy. It's a thing. True. To many people's detriment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I found it a little annoying at this point in the movie. Because... But as it goes on, then he, he wins you over. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, and then is it is it volleyball time? Then it's volleyball time, yeah. Oh, man. What about, how'd you like this scene? So you had teased this when we were talking about Top Gun at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I appreciated this scene. <laughs> it's it like a lot of just muscly dudes jumping around playing volleyball. It was great. Did you love it? I loved how unnecessary it was, mm-hmm. but then they're just like, nah, fuck it. We're putting this in here. I don't it's care. for the ladies on the date. It's the guy. Well, you do get a lot of shirtless men at this movie. Yes, you do. You get a lot of towel time. Re- they're really oiled up. Yeah. But not a speck of sand on them. No. And they're wearing jeans. Yeah. Which seems. Everyone is so sweaty throughout this, this entire real movie. movie. Yeah. And I can just imagine how they smell. Mm. Well, a slider stinks. Yeah. Maverick tells them. Yeah. Which, but another I, great line. Slider, you, you stink. stink. <laughs> and then just leaves. And then so that's just it. walks away. But yeah, shirtless volleyball, I found, was a, a very good inclusion in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I approve. And the music, uh, another Kenny Loggins song. We didn't even talk about Danger Zone. We'll circle we'll back, get I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but this song is called Playing With The Boys. Oh, yes. Which has some like real, real awesome lyrics. <laughs> Did you pick up any of the lyrics? No, I, but I feel like you're going to tell me. Should I do it like in a dramatic reading? Yes, I think you should. Say it was the right time to walk away. When dreaming takes you nowhere, it's time to play. Bodies working overtime. Your money don't matter. The time keeps ticking. Someone's on your mind. I'm moving in slow motion. Feels so good. It's a strange anticipation. Knock, knock, knocking on wood. Bodies working overtime. It's man against man. And all that ever matters is, baby, who's ahead in the game? Funny, but it's always the same when you're playing with the boys. <laughs> what? <laughs> I had no idea that was the lyrics to this song. Oh, it gets, there's more and it gets more? Yeah, I think it might get worse. Woo. Playing with the boys. I had no idea it was that literal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well. <laughs> playing with the boys in... Touching their wood and your heart working overtime. Oh, dear. (laughs) It's an interesting song to choose for a volleyball scene. Oh, not choose. It was written for that. Oh, it was written for that. Yes. Oh, okay. So this is an interesting thing about the soundtrack. Uh, The soundtrack, of course, did insanely well as as well. And uh, the music, for the most part, is all written for it, including the songs. So this composer, who now I forget, but does lots of like 80s synthy type stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there was a point probably from like the mid 90s for the next 15 years where you're like, oh, it's cheesy. But now we have enough space on it. We're like, no, this is fucking awesome. It, is, <laughs> it, it epitomizes that, that 80s sound, right? Mm-hmm. And I think even the songs were written and then they got people to do them and they would pick someone to do the song that was already established that playing with the boys is going in this. Who are we going to get to sing it? Mm. I think that's how it worked at the time. So then they got Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Because he's Kenny Loggins. So did you know who Kenny Loggins was before I was talking about him the other day? No, I don't. (laughs) 
Should we talk about Danger Zone right now? Yeah. So where is the Danger Zone? Oh, you're in it, baby. Um, where you got to take the highway. Oh, so the highway takes you to the Danger Zone. Yeah, well, there is a highway to the Danger Zone, for sure. Okay, so and where is that located? Oh, if you don't know, you're not ready to find out. I do think at some point in either of the movies, they should have just said the words danger zone once. Yeah. Like it could have just been in passing like, oh no, you're too low. You're in the danger zone. Like something like that. Yeah. Please like just throw it in there for us. Yeah. (laughs) You have like an iconic song called danger zone in this movie. You think that it would be used at least once. I think danger zone, the song was used three times, I believe. Yeah. And that's not something we're used to in our generation because usually you play a song once. Mm-hmm. Like the score, a theme of a character can come back, but not songs as often. Yeah. But we get Danger Zone three times. And at the beginning, it's it starts off with a theme and then it's just like a real hard cut, yeah. like a needle <laughs> drop like, no, to Danger Zone. Danger Zone time. <laughs> and it's uh, pretty awesome, I gotta say. Uh, Harold Faltermeyer oh. is the um, music person. He also did Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, that's that's a fucking score too. <laughs> But yeah, so he sounds like he did a lot of iconic pieces. Yeah. So how'd you like Danger Zone? Um, I feel like I know Danger Zone just from being in the world, but in this context, it felt uh, pretty, pretty awesome. It's perfect for this. Yes. So much of this movie, this movie is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Most parts of this movie are pretty shitty, actually. <laughs> The aerial photography is great. Yeah. And this song, had I heard it just like on the radio station, I'd be like, what is this garbage? Maybe. I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. look at it like that because I can only take it in co- Top Gun context and it's fucking awesome because it's perfect for that movie. <laughs> if it was in a movie now, mm-hmm. like bef- like being written for a movie now, I think it would still be a hit. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. And this might not even be his most famous uh, movie song. Because he also, Kenny Loggins, did uh, Footloose. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Those are two like pretty iconic yeah. songs, right? I didn't realize Kenny Loggins was that famous. Yeah. You knew Kenny Loggins this whole time and you just didn't know you knew him. This is kind of a digression, but I showed you um, the television show Archer. There is a character who is obsessed with Top Gun and Danger Zone <laughs> and recreates many scenes from Top Gun throughout the series. But there is at one point one character becomes a uh, country star and they do an acoustic rendition of Danger Zone with Kenny Loggins in it. And I think it's actually like fantastic. last night it was great it was something that i would totally just listen to 
I uh, I really want someone to like release that as a single. So volleyball's over. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then he has a dinner date. Yes. And um, he shows up uh, late. Yeah. Uh, sweaty. All oiled up. And just comes in and goes like, I'm going to take a shower. She's like, no, fuck you. You're going to take a shower. He's never been Sit to down. this woman's house before. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, thanks for inviting me on this date. I'm going to use your shower. Again, um, dick move. Dick move. And he's late, too. And uh, she... Like, holds her own against him. She's like, no, you'll sit and we'll talk. How'd you like her character? I liked her. I feel like she could have had a little bit more personality. Yeah, I definitely don't dislike her, but it's not that she doesn't add to the movie. It's that the romance, I felt, didn't really add to the movie. Yeah, I agree. And then we also learned that uh, Maverick's dad died and was a pilot. Yes. Um, we also get Take My Breath Away. Oh, which if you think Danger Zone's played a lot, the first <laughs> 30 seconds of Take My Breath Away were played, I don't know. Like six times? I think so. I think yeah. it was six. And then we don't actually get to hear the words until the, the sex scene much later. Yeah. But odd choice. I don't know if it's great and brilliant or just strange, but he just leaves. He's yeah. going to go take a shower. No sex scene, not even a kiss. No. That first date. I kind of expected there to be more to the date. Yeah. Oh, I'm really formulating some theories now. I Yeah, I was kind of disappointed that he just left and then it was like abruptly over and then they were just in an elevator the next day it was very yeah it was it odd. was very abrupt oh and then we get uh meg ryan coming yeah. in as goose's wife i don't actually remember her character's name but wasn't she charming i did not realize it was meg ryan until way later in the movie oh really no that haircut that's no, all not like, the best it's all i could see I yeah. couldn't even see that it was Meg Ryan. I could only see that awful haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it was 86, man. It yeah. was a time. Uh, her name was Carol. Carol. She was just a breath of fresh air into this movie. She was fun. Loved her. She was fun. And I liked how like unpolished she was in comparison to like everyone who's in the Navy. Everyone is like being very professional and just, like all serious and macho. And she was just like, I hear you're in love with your instructor. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved her. I loved her relationship with her husband. Mm -hmm. And I love that Goose tells her everything. Yeah. I think that's great because he has his priorities straight and he tells his wife all of these things because he's a good dude. That yeah. Is. I like I liked their relationship. I liked that they like trust each other. There's like a good level of trust there mm -hmm. for like she has to trust that he's telling her the truth because they're living apart basically during Top Gun. It was nice. And probably a lot of their lives. Yeah. Because remember Cougar, when he quits, says he's never met his children. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they're at the beginning of the movie, they're on a ship in the middle of the ocean. So you don't know how long they've been out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's military life is very hard life. 
And the next time we see Charlie is in class and she's telling Maverick how like, no, you're wrong. You're doing things terribly, which is true. And she's the expert. But no, he um, is like a little baby about it. Yeah. And he storms out. Storms out and gets on his motorcycle (laughs) like a child. And uh, he's like, fine, I'm going home then. And then she chases him down. In her car. In her car. (laughs) Also very reckless. And he says, you say I'm reckless. Look at you. Which is also yeah fair, actually. And then she says, like, I'm right, but also you're sexy and I like it. And then they kiss. <laughs> and then they kiss, yeah. So she gets, like, turned on by how reckless he is? Yeah. And, like, then they have the sex scene. How did you like that sex scene? Uh, it was weird and uh, there was way too much tongue. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of licking in it. And then when they go on that double date, I think that's when... Um, Meg Ryan is yelling, take me to bed or lose me forever. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that she's was so fun. Good. I loved her character. It was like she was just being herself. She was like unpolished in comparison to a lot of the other people in this movie. And uh, she was just like really lovely. <laughs> she was great. That family. Love them. Love them. Goose and Carol are my, I think my two favorite characters. And then probably Iceman. Mm-hmm. So then we get uh, some updates on the standings of who's Top Gun, and we find out that Iceman's number one and Maverick's number two as they're jetting off to do another exercise. And um, Iceman's having trouble getting a good shot, and Maverick tries to step in and do it uh, himself because he's not a very good wingman. Maverick basically breaks his plane by flying through Iceman's jet wash and uh, Maverick and Goose have to eject out of their plane. And I'm sure there's so many people who will debate like, actually, this was Maverick's fault. Actually, it was Iceman's fault. We don't know. No. None of us are flight experts, but I think what we can say is the movie is saying that it's probably neither person's actual Mm -hmm. fault. But I think we could agree that Maverick is being uh, impatient. Yes. So maybe it's not, he didn't lead to the death, but he's putting himself in these positions over and over again. And it's ultimately a mechanical failure. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you're falling straight down, I assume the canopy is supposed to like fly away because you'd be flying forward usually. Mm -hmm. But because it wasn't, it just went up and then he ejected right into it. And that's what killed him, I think. Yeah, he smashed himself on it. Yeah, real smash. I was like legitimately sad when this, when he was like holding him in the water. Oh, of course. Oh my goodness. That was like really upsetting because we love Goose at this point in the movie. Mm-hmm. Wait, and then you grew to hate Goose. No. <laughs> no, I just mean like after the double date and the singing yeah. and everything, you're on like a goose high. Oh, I was on a goose high. <laughs> and then he dies and I was like really upset. Mm-hmm. Did you cry? I- this time, no. I mean. When I was a child, yeah, I think so. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I may have cried a little bit this time. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. Like, it's really emotional. And you can see how much Maverick loves Goose and, like, how this really affects him mentally. How do you think this death was treated in the movie? Because it is treated differently than usually you'd get a main character's death. Mm -hmm. Because it's not prolonged in any way. It's just kind of like, he's dead. Yeah. It's not him holding him and going, come on, Goose, you can make it. And him saying, like, tell my wife I love her or whatever it would be, right? Right. He smashes into that and he's dead then. Yeah. And then we just 
keep on going with the plot. Not a lot of time is really given to it. Mm -hmm. We don't see a funeral or anything like that, which we would normally see in movies like this. How did that make you feel? Like it could have been covered a little bit more. Like it didn't need 20 minutes or something. But I think it definitely is kind of glossed over. And I also felt like Meg Ryan wasn't as upset as I thought she would be. I'm not sure about her not being upset or not, because I don't I don't really know how to gauge that, because we don't really see much of her. Mm-hmm. And when we do see her, I thought that was a particularly sad scene, because she, being like the, just the great person she is, she is consoling Maverick mm-hmm. rather than vice versa. And it should be vice versa, let's get, be honest, because he... Um, is is dangerous and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this was his fault but he clearly puts people's lives in danger often yeah he shouldn't be the one being consoled in like the, the real world but I get why the movie is doing it mm-hmm. and she is just going like, and talking about like he loved flying with you yeah she is just someone who is lifting people up. That's what she does. Yeah. And I thought that scene to me might have been actually sadder than the goose death scene. Yeah, absolutely. Because you get to see this family that it's not it's not the same family anymore, yeah. right? Yeah, and you see the son and like, yeah, that was pretty upsetting to see. I really liked her speech. I liked that she was like, he would have flown without you but he would have hated every minute of it but he would have done it and like she's like giving him permission to go on and get another partner and like have a career and she's not blaming him i think a lot of other movies would be like you fly dangerous and this is your fault and they would have made it about that Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what to make of the choice not to but I think this movie is just trying not to deal with many emotions. Yeah. And I'm not saying that necessarily is a bad thing because I, I think if it's predictable in the case of like, oh, that's what we would see now in most of these movies, I think it's good to get away from it. Mm-hmm. But it's just an interesting choice that there isn't much of that. Even when Iceman comes in, he's not like, see, I told you. Mm-hmm. He does his best to be supportive. He's not great at it, clearly. Mm-hmm. But he just says like, I'm I'm sorry about Goose. We all really liked him. Yeah. And that's as much as he can do. And that that's something, right? Yeah. And when he gets taken to military court, oh, I yeah. assume that's... Um, I think it's really interesting uh, that he he doesn't forgive himself for no. most of the movie. Yeah. And and you can see that on his face, even though he's cleared and he they want to send him right back out to do his job and you can see that he never forgives himself so he's having trouble kind of getting back into things and although also this timeline is crazy because it's been like five days or something since goose died and they're like oh he's not ready yet yeah it's been fucking five days yeah give him like a week of leave or something but i guess i get how they are trained essentially to be mechanical and yeah. just like do just your like, let jobs it go and, move yeah. on do your job and he is in the middle of like a six or eight week program yeah so he can't and I really get that to be in the military you kind of probably have to have that to a certain point mm-hmm. like any surgeon too I'm, if you get broken down by every person that dies you, you won't be able to do your yeah. job yeah i guess that's probably part of the training mm-hmm. yeah and we do get to find out here that his dad was actually a hero and not yes. the worst which, do you think that's true? Or do you think the guy was just saying that? I think he might have Tom been just Scarrett. saying that because he wants Maverick to be okay. Yeah. 
Like, he clearly can't take another, like, oh, yeah, your dad was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not the time and the place to be saying something like that to someone who is, like, so very much in, like, a state of grief. I think I think maybe he was building up his dad a little bit more than was true. So he decides to go back and he graduates Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Iceman wins and he is the Top Gun. And then he changes his name to Top Gun. <laughs> to the Top Gun. <laughs> Mr. Top Gun. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, all you graduates, um, now we have to go to some undisclosed area and fight some undisclosed people. Let's go. <laughs> and suddenly it's like a war movie. Kind yeah. of a little bit. Kind of, yeah. And he's gets called in to help out. And he's driving with one hand and has the dog tags in his other hand. Is that, like, yeah. to me, Goose. And and so this is when the radio comes in again. Like when, how, what button do you press to turn on the radio? Because I feel like they're doing so much with their hands in the plane. I feel like the front and back people should just have open radio communication yeah. all the time. Yeah. So then you should be able to talk to your Rio always. You'd think. So then what's Merlin? hearing he's like oh shit this motherfucker's talking to his dead best friend he's, i'm fucked yeah we're gonna die first because... i was in the back when cougar went crazy now i got this guy oh my god yeah poor merlin he misses his chance at top gun because yeah. he's going to top gun too yeah because he was with cougar then, then he gets put in yeah. with maverick and maverick's talking to ghosts up there and he's like why do i always get the crazy ones yeah why 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 is this what i get <laughs> maybe merlin has a real calming energy and he he requests this because like i can get through to him mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> now we're just writing another <laughs> movie and then tom cruise does bail on iceman when Icewind's in a five to one yeah and he eventually comes back after talking to Goose a little bit. Yeah. And we're supposed to believe Maverick is the hero and not Iceman who's surviving against five fighters? Iceman is the hero in this. Iceman's the hero of this You're movie. Right. I like how one person calls him Iceman. Iceman. <laughs> like, that's his last name. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Steven Iceman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember at one point somebody calls Maverick uh, Peter Mitchell. And I'm like, who the fuck's Peter who Mitchell? Who's Peter Mitchell? <laughs> Also, Iceman's name, Iceman, Iceman's name is something that doesn't sound like a great name either. John Krasinski? Is that his name? Or is that Jim from The Office? (laughs) Yeah, that's Jim from The Office. Uh, He's Tom Kazansky. Tom Kazansky. So then, of course, uh, between Iceman and Maverick, they shoot down the enemies and they survive and they come back and everyone cheers and it plays the theme music and we're all happy and everybody hugs yeah and they all hug and val kilmer or iceman iceman (laughs) tom iceman comes and says you're still dangerous but you can be my wingman anytime and then maverick Maverick says bullshit you can be my wingman because he still still has to be a dick about it can't take the compliment no and then they hug and everyone cheers. I really wanted them to kiss. In during that scene? Yeah. It kind of seemed like it. They yeah. should. Yeah, you're right. Cuz there's a lot of like tension there. And then at the end, Maverick throws Goose's dog tags overboard. Yeah, which also is kind of a dick move. You yeah. should give those to his son or wife or Yeah, you'd think that that would be something that would be given to the wife. Yeah, I get that you're getting over it, but you don't want to forget him. Yeah. It's different. And the way he throws it is always very funny to me because that's clearly a man who's never thrown a baseball before. You pointed it out when we just watched it. 
And <laughs> you're right. Yeah, he's he throws like a dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Good line. He looks good, but not good for throwing. No. <laughs> no. It's it's good for it looked dancing. graceful though. Yeah, he definitely he had good follow through with his arms. He yeah. But not if you consider it a throw. No. Then it's bad follow through. And he should have fling like flung his leg up. <laughs> yeah. Like he should a, have done a little like pirouette. a real dancer. That's true. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. Oh, and we also have um Hey, you were dangerous out there, but you got the job done. You can have any job in the world because your face is on the, all the newspapers now. I, I've never seen a pilot's face on any newspaper. No. But anyway. I, they also like something like this wouldn't really be reported on. No, because this would start World War Three because yes. the Russians and the Americans are fighting. But anyways, his face is on all the newspapers and you're rewarded by being able to pick your job. And where do you want this dangerous guy that plays by his own rules? To train other dangerous guys. Teaching. Yeah. yeah. What What about his character makes him want to be a teacher? That seemed to come out of nowhere. But this movie is, is very on the nose and very uh, typical in so many ways. But sometimes it does it so well that you just forgive it. Mm-hmm. Like that character who, I forget his name now, that actor. But the bald guy who just comes in and says, like, you're dangerous, but you know what? You got moxie, kid. Yeah. Like that whole thing. It's it's so overdone, but like, man, they were fucking nailing it. it yeah, I enjoyed it. And so he chooses to be a teacher at, at Top Gun. And then he goes to the bar and he's drinking alone and he's all sad. And then someone plays, you've got that love and feeling. And of course, it's Charlie. And she comes over and she's going to stay there too. And they're going to be together forever. Forever. The end. The end. So I think this says something both about me as a child and the effectiveness of the love story in this. Mm. I always take You've Got That Love and Feeling to be a sad song because it makes me think of Goose and Maverick. Mm. I don't look at that and think like, oh, yeah, that's their love song. Right. Because Goose and Maverick have done that multiple times. Yeah. She's heard like it once. Their routine. Yeah. Yeah. So when she that was would make playing him even more that, sad. Yeah, when she was playing that, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He just died. Yeah. But I forgot that there is a love story in this movie because mm-hmm. it doesn't play like a love story a lot of the time. Yeah. True. Yeah, the love story seems kind of wedged in there for extra content so people always make jokes about this movie being uh, homoerotic or gay coded (laughs) because they just go yeah look at that volleyball scene and listen to the lyrics of the song and that's like yeah that's funny and whatever but when you like really think about it i think there's something to it a little more because first of all i don't think the love story plays well at all Mm. you do have the part about um he goes on a date and then leaves and says, like, I'm going to go take a shower. And then in the next scene, she's dressed like like one of the pilots. She's wearing the baseball cap and the leather jacket. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay. And he comes around after that. So that's like you know, a little a little odd. And I do enjoy that there's like a lot of um, male vulnerability in mm-hmm. the friendships in this one. And I'm not saying that there's anything homosexual about that. But what I do definitely think is that the rivalry of Iceman and Maverick plays like a stronger romance than the one between Maverick and Charlie. True. At the end, when they've been battling, but he comes and saves them at the end, 
that is like a final act of a romantic comedy where they have that falling out and then the person comes back and does the grand gesture and then they come together and they kiss and we're happily ever after. <laughs> That's what it seems more like than it does uh, two rivals kind of coming to terms with each other. Right. It seemed more like a romance and I really wanted them to kiss at the end. <laughs> so I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, oh yeah, you know, these movies are all secretly gay. What I will say is, it would be a better movie if it was gay. True. That would be a better yeah. story. I would I would love this movie if at the end Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise kissed. But then the military wouldn't fund it. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> In general, about um, Maverick, because we were talking about his, whether his cocky charm works or not. You say yes. I think so. I say no. And of course, everyone has different readings. It's It comes down to ultimately like, do you like a person? And mm-hmm. everyone's going to have, of course, very personal takes on yes, that. Yes, yeah. So I can dismiss this movie and say, like, it's uh, really cool. The aerial stuff is fantastic. Everything else is kind of weak. The main character's not likable, but there are other good characters around him. Mm-hmm. And that could be my final review. And I think that might be. But if we give Tom Cruise lots of credit, mm-hmm. And looking back at his career, he is someone who deserves a lot of credit. And in the writing of this movie also, because the script that he had, a a bunch of other people passed on it, and he said no to this initially. Oh, did he? And eventually he said, give me, I don't know how long it was, but give me some time. I want to work on this, and I want to work on you guys changing it, and I'm going to have some requests. If we do that, I'll do the movie. And the things he came up with were uh, changing the love story a lot. Mm -hmm. Because before it was um, a gymnast and she was uh, much more, she didn't have any kind of authority or uh, strength. Mm -hmm. And one thing that is really interesting in Tom Cruise's career is for the most part, the women he plays opposite to in uh, romantic roles they tend to be well-developed, strong female characters. Oh. And I think when you're Tom Cruise, you have a lot of say of who's cast in something and even what the character looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, not looks like physically, but like w- how that character is portrayed. Right. And he did that here too. He wanted it to be someone who has a good amount of strength and authority. And I think he made the character of uh, Maverick it's almost like an acting reel for him. He put in a lot of these things uh, mm-hmm. and he wanted to have a, a good variety of emotion that he could uh, put on display here. I think if you read it superficially, he's like a one note performance. You could read it like that. Yeah. He doesn't have what we consider like a normal arc of someone who learns their lesson. Like at the end, does he learn his lesson? He I kind don't of think is the same dick the whole lesson. time. Yeah. It's just at the end, it worked. Yeah. And I think his arc is him overcoming Goose's death. Like, it's a very short end arc. So it's less of an arc and more of a circle. Yeah. It's just going back to where you were at the beginning of Mm -hmm. this. Because I don't think he fundamentally changes. But if we're going to give Tom Cruise a lot of credit, and based on what he did with the script and later on, and he kind of set himself up to be a movie star. He put in things like, yeah, I'll do all of those topless scenes. We're not using any of that for publicity. 
because he wants he doesn't want to be kind of pigeonholed into being one thing. Right. He I think very early on saw the potential of being a true superstar and the freedom and power that would give him in making his movies and he has definitely exercised that throughout his career. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not crazy to say that he in this is doing a really nuanced thing. He is playing it as someone who is deeply, deeply insecure and putting on all of these things as a show for the other guys. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is not um, homosexual. Like He doesn't love the other guys, but he's looking for approval. He has something to prove. He's uh, smaller than everybody else. He looks a little bit younger than a lot of the other guys. And his biggest driving force is he's trying to make up for the reputation of his family and of his father. Mm -hmm. So he has this insecurity to him and everything he's doing is to show off. Like when he's hitting on Charlie, I don't think he thinks that's going to work. No, he's just like doing it for fun. He's doing it to show off and not to show off to her, but to show off to the guys. Yeah. And when he goes into the bathroom, I don't think he's doing that because he thinks like, oh, now's my chance. He's doing it to show um, Goose like, oh, yeah, I went in the bathroom and I had sex with her because that's how cool I am. Yeah. He's doing everything as a performance. To show like, oh, look, I'm one of the guys. Yeah. And then when he's in the classroom, he's an asshole to her to be like, hey, guys, look at this. Yeah. He's always doing it to impress. He's not this cocky pilot that's dangerous he's this super insecure guy in this hyper masculine world and this is how he thinks he can fit in Mm -hmm. and impress them and if you read it like that you're like you can watch the whole movie with that reading and i think it works because that's how i watched it this most recent time and maybe tom cruise is actually doing something really brilliant here Mm. That's an interesting take. And I feel like if we watched it again, I'd I'd watch it through that lens and maybe see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that idea that he's actually just very insecure. And I think at some level, the majority of overly confident, cocky people are super insecure. That's mm-hmm. why you're why you're acting like that. Right. But I in this case, I think Tom Cruise knows that. Right. I think it's all very performative. Or he's just an asshole. It could go either or way. He's just either one. <laughs> Both are very, very plausible. Uh, one fun thing. I know that he was offered a sequel right away. And they said, we'll give you five times your salary. And he turned it down. And he went on to make some other interesting things. But uh, most interesting is he went on to do Born on the Fourth of July a few years later, which is a decidedly anti-war and anti-military movie. Oh. For a lot less money. I'm amazed that it took 36 years for him to do Top Gun 2, like for that to come around. Yeah. Well, are we all done on Top Gun? I think so. Well, let's hear from our second sponsor. And then after that, let's talk a little bit about Top Gun Maverick. So if you haven't seen Maverick, you can, uh, I guess, skip to the end. Yeah. That's about it. So bye for you. Bye. And everyone else, here's our second sponsor. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to Edmonton Public Schools Open House. Meet the staff and ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs. Explore your options and find the school that feels right. Find event dates and learn how to make the most out of your visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. 
All right. What'd you think of Top Gun Maverick? I thought it was fun. It was totally pandering to the original lovers of Top Gun. And um, I could see people who loved Top Gun in like the late 80s loving this new movie. And it was just like like a total box office draw. Like you could totally see why they made this movie and they were just looking for butts. <laughs> they wanted those butts. I want those butts. Um, in the seats and they knew that the what's going to sell tickets, uh, another Top Gun movie. So this movie, of course, did very well in the box office mm-hmm. like the first one. The first movie, mixed reviews because your critics are going to be like, well, this is clearly Propaganda. Like, poorly written, but it looks cool. Yeah. And film critics are going to say that. This second movie reviewed incredibly well. And I've talked to people who say, oh, that first movie was stupid. It was kind of fun, but it's really dumb. The second movie, one of the best movies ever made. Oh, see, I didn't find that. So many people have told me that. And we just found out it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. So we're recording before the Oscars, but it has been nominated for Best Picture. That's wild. That is crazy to me. I think it was a good movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the acting was good. Mm-hmm. I think the story is fine. Mm-hmm. And the action sequences are quite good. Yeah. I actually liked them better in the first one. Yeah, that's what you said. Because I felt this cut so quickly. Yeah. And they, of course, they could have um, the cameras doing a lot more than they could in the first one. But I liked in the first one that we would get a shot that's like four seconds of a plane doing something. Mm-hmm. That's more interesting to me than... Eight half-second shots right. like they used in this one more often. And that's like the newer style of editing. True, true. Is like Marvel movies and stuff. It's just flashes of stuff. Yeah. So, And I did appreciate that they did a lot of practical stuff on mm-hmm. this. It's not all CG. There's real planes doing stuff and it looks good. I just preferred the editing of the first one. And um, I thought, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I'd I- give it a thumbs up. It's it's more than a 5 out of 10. So yeah. I think it's good. But I, I don't know. I don't feel the need to ever watch it again. Yeah. While the first Top Gun, I think, is worse in many ways, it's more rewatchable, though. Because <laughs> it's fun. It's more fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Um, I thought Miles Teller would be in it more from, like, how much promotion and stuff that he was in. Mm-hmm. I thought he'd be more focused on in the movie um, I did enjoy at the end of the movie when I uh, they get into the F-14 and he's like, it's so old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it was pretty funny to see his reaction as someone who's only ever flown F-15s, I assume. That's what the next plane is. Um, but yeah, I thought that was super funny. And um, I thought he had some good moments. He does look like Goose, though. He looks a lot like yeah. Anthony Edwards. They did a really good job of that casting was, him. Yeah, and then that mustache. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I had seen him in stuff before. I didn't even realize it was him because I looked and was like, who is this guy? What's he done? And then I realized, oh, I've seen like three movies with him. I just oh. didn't know it was the same guy. Yeah, I uh, I thought he was I thought he was funny. He has good comedic timing. He was good. Um, Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise. good as well. I think he's more handsome in this movie. He's taken care of some things yeah. in the first one. He doesn't have the center tooth anymore, and he's kind of waxed that unibrow out yeah, a little. Yeah, he's definitely more, like, polished. Yeah. Everything's a lot more smooth than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in, like, terrific shape. Yeah. 
And again, like the first movie, a lot of it doesn't really make sense if you think (laughs) about it. But it was... It was fun. It was good. It was fun. It was like... It was light and fun. I think I have less to say about it because I was just kind of thinking of the first movie. And I did find it an enjoyable watch, Mm -hmm. even at its two hour plus. It was pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I feel like you could still chop out like 20 minutes, no problem. (laughs) But yeah, I enjoyed it. I've already forgotten about uh, so many of the callbacks because they have, uh, well, there's the football game yeah. that replaces the volleyball where you're playing with two balls, which I don't quite understand. You have to play offense and defense at the same time. But then where's the line of scrimmage? I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the water? <laughs> which one did you prefer? Probably the first one. Me too. The first one is worse, mm-hmm. but it's also more enjoyable. Yeah. The second one is a more coherent story but it's not as fun i didn't like that it was more of a war movie the second one right because it's it's very much like us against them we're training to beat them we're gonna like stop them from doing this evil thing like it's it's very much focused on fighting someone or like winning whereas the first one was very much like winning within it's not as much us versus them True, but even in the second one, we don't get the other people, the other side until mm-hmm. quite late into the movie. Mostly it is about if you can do this one thing and mm-hmm. then you can like make the team. Yeah. So it's still like a sports movie for the first while, but it does have a much longer, that final act when you're actually fighting the other people. That is a lot longer in this one. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm out of opinions on the Top Gun franchise. <laughs> so... Uh, Next week, we will be doing a pre-episode where Indy will reveal our big watch for the week no, after. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. What? I don't think we are. <gasps> Is it? I think it's our 200th episode, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So next week, we are going to have our 200th anniversary awards show yeah which is kind of fun i like those episodes it is technically like awards season too so we're we're throwing our own award show in there oh nice yeah yeah so we will talk about the movies we have done in the last 50 episodes i don't think we'll do spoilers really or anything like that but we'll give awards like um Best performance, worst couple, best animal friend, (laughs) most delicious food. Yes. And anything else you guys come up with, let us know. Yeah, feel free to message us your uh, categories. And uh, we'll be putting our, this is our third season? Fourth season. We'll be putting our fourth season behind us and looking ahead to next season and talking about uh, what kinds of films we'd like to see coming up. Yeah, and when we say season, don't worry, there's no season break or anything like that. We just kind of break it into every 50 episodes, because that's roughly a year. Yeah, and uh, so we'll see you next week in your formal red carpet attire, and uh, we will give away some awards to some movies. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Does that make Galen Maverick? What? Because <laughs> you guys are like best friends, so I assume that one of you has to be goose and one oh, of you. Oh, we're has a to couple maverick. of geese. <laughs> Which one of us is a goose? Is a maverick? Oh yeah. You're Who right. amongst <laughs> us has the confidence to just like go up to women at a bar? <laughs> to, well, we wouldn't even say hi, let alone sing a song to them. <laughs> we, neither of us is ever bragging about how great we are. We're both 
We're both goose. Okay. I, he might be a Merlin. <laughs> which like, he would take as a compliment. That's Tim Robbins. Oh, okay. I'll cut this out and put it at the end for okay, you. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I think I could be a goose probably. Okay. I don't know what I'd be. I think you wouldn't be in a plane. No, you're right. I yeah. wouldn't be in a plane. Neither of us would be. No. <laughs> that's not the life for us. 